0: You're listening to the Superpod HeroCast, a Night Shift Radio production. Hey, Todd. Hey, Casey. It's a really good thing this movie comes out the day after Thanksgiving because it's a fucking turkey.
1: Oh, this is going to be back-to-back episodes where we have a fundamental disagreement. You liked this movie? You didn't?
0: No. Hello hello, and welcome to the super pod hero cast
1: guys with beers talking about movies with capes
0: episode 126. I'm Casey Ryan
1: and I'm Todd panic
0: and we We watched watched
1: X-Men apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, we did.
0: All right. So first, let me say (laughs) that uh, Oscar Isaac is a fucking godsend. Yeah, he makes this movie.
1: I uh, I don't think he's the only bright part in this, and I, I I'm gonna save it till we get into it. But I, going into this, was prepared to endure it, and
0: I I, I fell asleep seven times watching last night. I had to finish it today. I was like Ouch. I can't I can't I can't keep going back and watching this, this Cairo scene again and again and again. And it wasn't like a slow. It was just like oh God, I don't care. I don't
1: care. Oh boy. This might be this might be my favorite X Men movie other than Logan and Deadpool's. Yeah, yeah, but see, I still can't believe that you enjoyed watching. I'm not, and I know you said you didn't say that the Punisher was a good movie, but you enjoyed watching. It was fun. It was fun. No, see, see I, 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 you are as shocked as I was last time. So we've we've right. we've swapped roles here.
0: Well, much like you did last time, if I'm going to talk about this fucking movie, I want some (laughs) beer in me. That's fair. So, since
1: we are. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? So, our beer comes to us, like so many of our great beers, from our good friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop over in Township 5 here in Camillus. And I wasn't sure what angle we were going. Long story short, there's an iconic moment in the trailer. When Charles makes contact mentally with Apocalypse and his Apocalypse kind of like takes control of his mind Mm. and he does it to a couple other characters, the entirety of their eyes turn black, glossy, black like a doll's eyes, lifeless eyes,
2: black eyes like a doll's eyes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so we are drinking a beer that the title captures that that image. So uh, this is a beer from Sullivan's Craft Brewery, which has uh, roots deeper than our country's. It was founded in Kilkenny, Ireland in 1702. Ooh. It is a dry Irish stout. We are drinking their Sullivan's Black Marble Stout. Oh, yeah. That's what their eyes are. Called. Oh, this so, is nice. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Nice smelling. Okay.
1: This is a full-flavored traditional Irish dry stout, displaying notable roast coffee and fruit notes, gently balanced by delicious hop bitterness. Now these are 16 ounce, well actually 15, I'm sorry, 14.9, 440 milliliter ounce craft cans, and this is also a nitro beer. So we're gonna pour it and then give a minute to let it to let it cascade.
0: Well, mine didn't do anything. They have no head at all.
1: Um, are you, do you are you getting the cascading down through the beer? Because like,
0: what does that tell you? Hmm, it's like Coke.
1: I mean, it's not as it's not as pronounced as the cascading you get from a canned uh, Guinness? Guinness, certainly. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's a, it's the same concept. There's a little there's a little ball in there that you know.
0: Well, it, when you edit this oh, part, I, you'll it? hear that mine hissed at me. So.
1: Actually, I right. take that. No, there's, oh, no there's, ball. No, there's no ball, yeah. Okay. There's
0: no ball and no head. I mean, this is just a bad date night right now.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, hopefully it tastes better than your pouring experience was. Cheers, buddy.
0: Cheers, my friend. Mm. Oh man, that man. That's really I, good, but mine's flat.
1: Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that.
0: <laughs> it's so weird. What the fuck that's, happened? It's it's that's it's crazy. It's very tasty, but I have no. I just aggressively poured the very last bit of it in there, and look, that's yeah. all I got. That's Listen, bizarre. Not to p- taking anything at Sullivan's, or definitely not at branching out. But I just I got a, a dud. I'm still nice. going to drink it because it tastes good. It's just flat beer.
1: Okay, or or dump that one and have the second can. So we get two no. I'll have
0: a second can. <laughs> While okay. we record this, because fuck this that, movie.
1: That, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I have been to Ireland. I've drank beer in Ireland. I've been to Kilkenny. I don't remember if I drank Sullivan's when I was there.
0: Because you were so I, drunk the whole time you were there?
1: Yeah, well, one, you're not wrong. But two, uh, <laughs> you know, I did skew very heavily towards Guinness. I did try a couple other ones when I was there, but um, mainly it was Guinness for me. So, but. Uh, if a Guinness is not available, this is a fine Irish stout. Okay.
0: So, good beer, bad movie, in my opinion. Wow.
1: Sure. Um. Yeah. Now, I just, Casey, God damn it. we actually have a reaction this week. Oh. So, a, uh, a good friend of mine um, who I uh, used to work with at the Hartford and uh, have stayed friends with, uh, Ted Shoemaker, uh, has become a fan of our podcast listen to it regularly yeah um, he uh, texted me the other day after he had listened to our episode for dread he okay. said just listen just listen to and watch dread loved both heard oh. your distaste for the punisher and wanted <laughs> to give my two cents yeah now ted wrote i actually did an entire ap lit project in high school on how thomas Jane's punisher is actually highly inspired by shakespeare's othello I don't remember most of my argument, but I ended up, ended by pointing to how similar these lines are that come with a big reveal in both. So from the Punisher, I made you kill your best friend, I made you kill your wife, and now I've killed you. From Othello, so will I turn her virtue to pitch, and out of her goodness make the net that shall enmesh them all. And he said, not sure how much merit there is there. Wasn't much of a student, but my teacher appreciated the visual I made enough that he's had it on the wall for a decade.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Um, Right? I I 100% agree. uh, This movie is Shakespearean in depth and scope.
1: Sure, 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 sure. And therefore it makes it
0: a good movie.
1: I know. um, Ah, uh, so close. I almost got you. Mm -hmm. I have to admit... uh, Never read Othello, which you know, probably makes me a bad, failed English teacher. Have you ever right seen probably. O?
0: Nope. Oh, oh, you'd have to read Othello before you could see to O. Get, yeah. Because yeah. it's modern language, but it is a true adaptation. Like, uh, beware thy woman, sir, is watch out for your girl, bro.
1: Sure, 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 sure. It's so good.
0: Um, and uh, and uh, my, uh, Mikey, is that how you say his name? McKay? Pfeiffer?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to say it. I think it's McKay, but I could be wrong.
0: It's him and Julia Stiles and um, Josh Hartnett. And they are just, it's its really, really, really good.
1: Julia Stiles and Josh Hartnett. Didn't they also do like a modern adaptation of Shakespeare? Um, 10 Things I Hate About You is Taming of the Shrew. Mm, yeah, right? but
0: that's Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger.
1: Oh, Heath Ledger. Shit. Well, rest yep, in you're peace. right. All
0: right. And it's also a very good movie. <laughs>
1: Oh, it, it's a very oh, good movie. Yeah, yeah, movie. I really Absolutely.
0: like that. Um, Larry, um, the, the guy who plays their dad.
1: Oh, I don't. It's. I have, It's been forever since I've seen it.
0: He's a, a wonderful character actor. He's very, very good. Um,
1: uh, that would be Andrew Keegan. No, nope. no, that no, nope, that's <clears throat> probably too old. Hold on. Uh, let's see, Larry. Oh, Larry Miller. Hmm. Larry Miller.
0: Larry Miller, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful yeah. actor. Was, uh, um, I,
1: he and, is a great character actor. I love him in Best in Show. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: And uh Daryl Chill Mitchell is also their their uh, teacher, the uh, um Tommy from Galaxy Quest. Oh,
1: <laughs> no way. Mm-hmm. Really? Oh wow, that's funny, Jason. Kaka, Kaka Jason.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, so that was wonderful. Thank you very much. Yeah, for sending Ted, in that reaction, Ted. It was for, great. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, so I have a couple um, almost
1: cast. Great, yeah. Hit me.
0: Then we'll do your. Um, What's the word I'm looking the production for? Stuff. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Yeah,
1: now, now, to be fair, there's there's not a lot of parts in here that were up for original casting, because it's, you know, most of the ensemble are returning from prior works. But there's a few new characters here, so what do you got?
0: Well, the first one, let's start with the titular character, if you will. Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hardy. Man, I'm oh. really disappointed to get to hear whatever weird accent he decided to do yeah. for that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's based on a Hungarian folk wrestler from the <laughs> no, 1700s. It's based, yeah.
0: based on a Swahili medicine man who once, yeah, Tom, just do an accent. Don't. <laughs> it's based on Tom Bergeron. No. Yeah. <laughs> Which he actually did. That's what his accent is based on in um, The Revenant, is Tom Bergeron in um, uh, Apocalypse Now. Amazing. Every word of what you just said wrong no way really he's a fucking weirdo <laughs>
1: oh
0: and the other person up for apocalypse was mr idris elba now dear hollywood you did it with oscar isaac and you've done it with idris elba and other things stop taking beautiful men and putting <laughs> them in a shit ton of makeup <laughs>
1: uh-huh
0: don't uh-huh. hide that like i always think about the first scene in this movie you know women and men who are attracted to men and people who are attracted to men must be like, oh, it's Oscar Isaac. I'm like, well, enjoy it while well, you can because he's going to look like yeah. Ivan Ooze the rest of the movie. Yeah.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, that's and unfortunate. It's, and it's the same. You know, he, he has not spoken highly of. His the, experience on
0: this? Yeah. It, oh, surprise, largely surprise. because
1: of the physical, the, the, the makeup and costume. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's head to toe and that did not look like it was very breathable.
1: So I'm going to read from the Wikipedia page because I saw this quote when I was looking it up and it's, it's really good. It's a little bit long, but, um, so Oscar Isaac, Uh, Oscar Isaac who played the title character apocalypse later expresses disappointment with the film commenting quote apocalypse. That was excruciating. I didn't know when I said yes, that that was what was going to be happening. That I was going to be encased in glue latex and a 40 pound suit I had to wear a cooling mechanism at all times. I couldn't move my head ever. Yeah. Insert Morgan Freeman.
0: (laughs) So you want to move your head.
1: Uh, I had to sit on a specially designed saddle because that's the only thing I could really sit on. And I would be rolled into a cooling tent in between takes. So I just wouldn't ever talk to anybody. And I was just going to be sitting and I couldn't really move and like sweating inside the mask and the helmet. And then getting it off was the worst part because they just had to kind of scrape it off for hours and hours oh god can you imagine that oh
0: <sighs> yeah that's it's kind question. of like the quote that's going around from uh, george clooney doing batman forever because his bat suit is still the heaviest I, I probably will be they'll never be this heavy you know how much his bat suit wore uh wade How much? 60 pounds.
1: Oh, my lord. So he would just kind of like
0: slumped over and like, he's like, and then, you know, Joel would get on the horn, like, okay, George, you're sad. Your parents are dead. Everything's horrible. (laughs) Action. And then he'd hump up and go, I'm Batman. And cut. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Uh, I just read, I think when he was filming Siriana, Clooney um, apparently. Badly hurt his neck or back. He, back because just, of how
0: much weight he put on for it. Because his
1: no, 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 no. It was the, there's an interrogation scene where he gets he's in a chair and he gets knocked over.
0: But it's a combo of the two things. His body wasn't used to the amount of weight he put on for that, plus some some movement that happened during the interrogation scene. They're, they're, yeah, they said it was f- both. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, yeah. He fell apparently, and he has said, "I didn't realize that this." He's like lived in chronic pain since that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's heartbreaking. That's
0: heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, contemplated ending it at
1: Did one really? point oh, because of the pain. That. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. yeah all
1: right All uh, right. Who else you got for? I, <laughs> well, I can't imagine he was the only.
0: No, no, person. no. For yeah. uh, Miss Jean Grey.
1: Oh no! Wait, no one else for Apocalypse?
0: Just a short of a list. Yeah, that's very short. Okay. Somehow, for some reason, Jean Grey had a bigger list, and some of these I'm like, eh, no. All right, <laughs> ready?
1: Yes. Elle me. Fanning. Okay.
0: Chloe Grace Moretz.
1: Hmm. Okay. Haley Steinfeld. I feel like. Um,
0: okay. Uh, 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 yes to anything she's going to be in because I sure, I sure, absolutely sure, love her. She's, I mean, I
1: love her as I love her as Kate Bishop, but sure.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sharsha Ronan. Okay. Uh, also, great actor. Uh, mm-hmm. Daisy Ridley. Oh. Uh, she did, I lo- but she was I love doing her. that
1: little indie. She was doing that little indie project, wasn't she?
0: Uh, she had just done it. She probably got the call because uh, *Force Awakens* is 2015, so the, the buzz from that movie probably sure. got her an audition for this movie. Yeah. Um, Lily Collins, eh.
1: Lily Grace Collins. Carolyn
0: okay, okay. Curry. I don't know who that is. Grace. Lily Collins okay. was in *Baby Driver*.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Grace yeah. Carolyn Curry. Uh, she almost looks like Jennifer Garner. No. She, oh, she's, oh, she's, uh, in Shazam, she's, um, Mary.
0: Oh, she's,
1: okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. And yep, then lastly, Margot Robbie.
0: Huh, okay. No, All right? Nope, she's, she's Harley Quinn, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, can, I mean, we kind of ignored it because we were so happy to get like a good superhero movie with the first X Men movie, but, you know, Famke Kajanson, like, uh, you know, Jean's a redhead. Can we... Can you cast a redhead, please? Yeah,
0: but neither Sophie Turner nor Famke Jansen are redheads.
1: Sophie
0: naturally. Sophie Turner's not a redhead? No, she's blonde.
1: I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and lastly, for... Yes, yes. Cyclops. Scott yes. Summers. The douchiest douchebags in all of X-Men.
1: <laughs> yes. Tar- the douchiest Edg- douche who ever douched. Yeah. yeah
0: uh, Taron Edgerton.
1: Oh, I love him. He would have been great. He,
0: but... Dodged a fucking bullet. Because <laughs> well, yeah, he would have had to have this and then Dark Phoenix. And Dark Phoenix. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah.
0: Yep. Ugh. Just Ty, no everywhere. I
1: shared an Oh, Ready Player One, of course. That's what it, I was like, I know he did something big. Ready Ready Player One. That was it. <sighs> that
0: mo- Dear Mr. Spielberg, I love your work, but I did not uh, like. Ready that's Toyota an ambitious
1: move That's a novel. I think that's hard to like. I, I think they did the best they could.
0: Did I think they, every every decade or so, Steven Spielberg does a super ambitious movie that doesn't work very well. Uh, Hook comes to mind. Sure. I personally love Hook because I am of the age to love Hook. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's not um, not great. Okay. Fair. Fair. <laughs> it is a movie I acknowledge that's not good, but I love it all the same. And sure. All, like all Condor the Man. Other, no, <laughs> no, Condor Man's great. No, and I was going to say all the uh, elder millennials or zennials, if you want to be fancy like me, are all going feet, oh, feet, oh,
1: feet, oh. That's 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 fair. That's fair. Uh, the you know the flip side of of nostalgic. Uh, in my brother's chat on Facebook, uh, my oh, brother no. Joey was watching Flash Gordon and. <laughs> Uh, was sharing some of the lines. Um, <laughs> sent us a note. Uh, can I, should I share this? Yeah, I will. It's Joey, I apologize if if I should. But he he sent a couple stills from the movie of Sam Jones. Like one of them ones, you know, where he's got his shirt off and stuff. And Joey goes, "Flash could get it." <laughs> good times, good times.
0: Oh, All right. that's funny. Yeah. All right. Um, so. Banana stand time.
1: Okay, uh, but well, before we do that, let's talk about the creative uh, stuff. So directed by uh, Brian Singer, we've talked M- about him horrible garbage in, monster that he is <laughs> in uh, Superman Returns. Um, uh, directs this. He also shares a writing credit. A couple of other guys we've talked about before on the podcast have writing credits. Um, Michael Doherty wrote X Two Superman Returns Krampus, and then um, the Krampus. arguably probably the I'm sorry, what was that? Krampus. Krampus, excuse me. And I think last time I said it, I think you said Krampus well, as well. Um,
0: uh, to quote Mister Lieutenant Commander Data, when um, <laughs> um, Dr. Not Crusher, what the fuck is her name? The one that took over season two. Doesn't matter. She was terrible. Called, her, okay. called him Data. She asked what the difference was. And he said, one is my name. The other is not.
1: <laughs> okay all right that's fair um uh, and then uh, the last person that gets a writing credit uh person we talked about a number of times simon kinberg uh, who's a writer sure. producer he also wrote x-men last stand Ooh. Ooh. mr and mrs smith which i love yeah jumper it's a good movie Kate Sherlock holmes. yeah yeah sherlock holmes with rdj phenomenal um days of future past meh. the fantastic four the the Josh Trank the... yeah no no, exactly. no.
0: I'm not going to put any of it on well, well, Kimberg because remember we liked that movie till the obvious well, studio rewrites.
1: Yes, that's that's yes. You're right. you we
0: were right. we were pot totally committed fair. to that movie until three quarters the of the way went. through the movie. Just kidding. We're going to make a shit ending.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I mean, listen. Uh, Doom shows up earlier in that, and I I can't forgive that. So, but we never
0: see Doom in Robo Doom form, I believe, until the reshoots. I don't know. I, I kind even of Even the
1: whole he's a teen, he, even the whole he's a hacker, yeah, no, okay, uh, we're not going back to that. We're not going back to that.
0: Okay. Well, hold on to that thought of uh character's uh, story arc and uh, origin being fucked over, because that happens a lot in this movie.
1: Yeah, it It does. It does. And and I'll certainly talk about that. And, and I've been a critic of that in the past. Um. And I think where there's weakness in this movie, I think, you know, there's definitely some disposable characters here that shouldn't <laughs> uh, uh, uh. be. Um. And then uh, finally, from a mo- from a dollar perspective, because um, these movies don't get made without them or for mm-hmm. them, uh, uh-huh. the budget on this one was 178 million. The box office it does 543 million. This is a 2016 release. I didn't do the uh, conversion there, but you know, commercially a success, it's a su- success. Um, not the last X Men movie, excuse me, as we've talked about, um, and of course, uh, critically, it's. You know, gets mixed reviews.
0: Yeah. I think it's about to get mixed reviews right now.
1: (laughs) Well, then if that's the case, we should probably...
0: Roll that film. Todd, I see that you have a note before I speak, so I'll let you go.
1: Thank you. I didn't transcribe the whole opening voiceover done by Mr. McAvoy. Mutants.
0: Born with extraordinary abilities.
1: He's fine. I will confess, though... I miss you Patrick Pat Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember did days of future past and first class. First class did not have
0: one. Future, days past, of future past had Patrick Stewart. Yep. Yeah,
1: that's what that's what I figured.
0: But nothing beats the OG. Mutation.
1: It's so, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah.
0: Every time I hear it I go mutation. Get a little chill.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. That was my just wistful No offense to McAvoy, but yeah, um I, I certainly wanted Sir Pat Stews.
0: To be fair, McAvoy was, has always specifically been told to not do a Patrick Stewart. Fair. Same with Fastbender. They were specifically told don't do McKellan which I'm like I feel like they should, <laughs> or at least the idea. Though the last scene of the film, I'll say it since yeah. we're talking about it now, A is dialogue directly from the last scene of the very first film doesn't, doesn't ever wake, wake you out of, of the night. The feeling that someday they will pass that foolish law,
2: the feeling that one day they'll come for you and your children. It does, it does indeed. Need. What when do you do, you do? Wake do up to when that? you wake up to that? I feel, I feel a great swell of of pity, 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 for, pity, pity for, for the poor soul that comes, comes to, to, comes to, to my to school. school for trouble.
0: Looking for trouble between Charles and um, yep. Magneto, but that scene, they are the most Stuart and McKellen.
1: Yeah, there's another moment that I'll point to when we get to it that I feel like is also definitely intentionally referencing the first movie.
2: Give someone wings and they may fly too close to the sun. Give them the power of prophecy and they may live in fear of the future. Give them the greatest gifts of all. Powers beyond imagination. And they may think they are meant to
0: rule the world. In 3600 BC, the aged but powerful mutant in Savanur rules ancient Egypt.
1: So I love this reveal of Apocalypse. One, I love movies that don't take a long time getting to something exciting. This opening, the reveal of Apocalypse, the the opening sequence, the action here... I really enjoyed. I'm like, okay, I'm in. All right, great, let's go. But the whole time, I'm like, where's Brendan Fraser? <laughs> Let me guess, Spring Clean. It definitely feels like the Mummy. Brendan Fraser is the Mummy, hundred percent. Where's um
0: the the Fleet Admiral from Star Trek doing the voiceover? Right? <laughs> the guy who was the guy with the face tattoos. Oh, yeah. From the first and second uh, mommy movie is now the fleet admiral on Star Trek Discovery.
1: Of course he is.
0: Following the ceremony in which he is, his consciousness is transferred into another man's body in order to gain healing factor. Oh, that healing factor effect is so bad. We are not even five minutes into this film and already I hate <laughs> the CGI. Great. Great.
1: I I mean, to be fair, it's like a blink and you miss it. You know, it's like three seconds, maybe. So they they certainly didn't spend a lot of time on it.
0: Um, He and his four followers. I didn't put the note here because I forgot. Mm -hmm. But uh, do you think it's a little racist that there's a woman of color and she seems to have the same powers that Storm has in the future? I'm like, (laughs) do you you have to have a woman of color?
1: Uh, Wasn't she fire?
0: But she was doing the same thing. She was like the protector. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like... Because they don't bother in this fucking movie, but they are literally supposed to be the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Sure.
1: Oh, sure, sure, sure.
0: Yep. The closest thing they get is Angel. And you're just like, okay, I guess this works. Um, uh, In the process, his followers are killed and entombed alive. Todd, we've taken time in the past to dismantle logic of in oh, movies.
1: You're, oh, you're going to be so happy with where I'm going. Go ahead. I'd like to know how...
0: To quote Nicolas Cage in The Rock, <laughs> "Yep, how in the name of Zeus's butthole <laughs> did they put those giant stones there without anyone fucking seeing it? And, and I'm that, calling all the bullshit in the world.
1: Let me help you lean into the uh, pedantry here because it's even worse. So first of all, let me say this. First of all, the 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 logic of the sequence aside, I love this like prehistoric version of valkyrie right he's a he's a corrupt leader and you know forces within his command kingdom are going to kill him to prevent a bigger evil so i i love this concept the falling sequence though is ridiculous it's so ridiculous i stopped backed up and i timed it to see how long they're falling now to be fair it's a movie It's not a single take. There's cuts there. So it's entirely possible that the linear time in the watching of the movie is not supposed to be the amount of time it took in the story. But let's say for the sake of argument that the amount of time that they're falling on screen is how long they're supposed to be falling. They're falling for about 36 seconds. That's from when the floor starts to give way until they hit bottom. Now, if you go to... Um, www.omnicalculator.com slash physics slash free dash fall. There is a free fall calculator because the rate at which object objects accelerate due to gravity is known. You can figure that out. So if you plug in starting with a velocity, uh, starting with a height of zero feet and a velocity of zero feet per second, what's the distance you will fall in 36 seconds Casey, if they were falling from thirty-six seconds, they would have fallen a total of about twenty-one thousand feet, Dude. twenty thousand eight hundred forty-eight. Now, to be fair, mankind has gone deeper, almost twice as deep. The the Kola Superdeep is the world's deepest borehole. It's in Russia. Um, that reached forty thousand two hundred thirty feet back in nineteen eighty-nine. You know, ten years earlier, there was a. Uh, The prior record was in the high 20,000s. So mankind has gone deeper, but that's been in modern times. In 3600 BC, the idea that somehow, I mean, I guess his powers would allow him to do it, but that means Apocalypse like (laughs) dug a shaft 21,000 feet below his pyramid. Yeah, it's the fucking dumbest. Yep, yep. I went down that rabbit hole because that annoyed me.
0: It's just gonna get worse. Like <laughs> it seems like there's like maybe five people involved in trying to assassinate Apocalypse. Here, there's the one guard that's that's going that gives a look, and then there are the two guards, and I think there's a fifth person in there. Four or yeah. five people who move the rocks. They're not mutants. They don't have
1: superpowers. Sure, sure. Fuck totally you. Fair. Fuck you, writers. Fuck Hugh. No, we like Hugh. He he shows mm, up in this one. I never, <laughs>
0: we'll get there. Okay. okay uh, fair. First, we got to go to 1983. Sure. Alex Summers takes his brother, Scott, to Professor Charles Xavier's Educational Institute. Thank you, Wikipedia writers, for just skipping a whole bunch of gobbledygook that we don't need to talk about. <laughs> Though Scott discovering his powers was, was fun, except the, the actor who's the bully... Mm-hmm. Is very clearly being instructed because that is like it seems like a real school that they're filming in uh-huh. to not damage that door. So he is like
1: bing, 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 bing,
0: bing, bing <laughs> And they're just adding the sound later. He I mean, if there was an actual bully, there'd be a dent in that thing.
1: Um, did you recognize <sighs> the teacher who who sends oh. Scott out of class?
0: Ally Sheedy? Yes. Short I was circuits like, own Ali Sheedy.
1: Yeah. Yes. I was like, wait a minute. Is that Ali Sheedy? I couldn't tell you the last thing I saw her in. Yeah, it's this.
0: She this. was in um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. What? The original run.
1: Oh, on Broadway. Oh, I mean, in terms mm-hmm. of movies. Yeah.
0: No, she was Hedwig,
1: <laughs> and I heard she was terrible. All right, wait, are you being serious? Oh, I'm 100 being serious. John Cameron Mitchell didn't originate
0: didn't originate did. the role. He did. And then a whole bunch of other people did it.
1: <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Okay, got gotcha, She
0: gotcha, was, gotcha. Uh, she was,
1: uh, she was Hedwig. one. like oh, after he had left. got it, yep. got it, got it.
0: Remember, I lived in New York during the stunt castiest stunt casting of all time. Like got... David uh,
1: Hasselhoff. <laughs> and fucking. Hey, um, don't hassle the hoff, man. Ugh. Which once again proves my theory Germans love David Hasselhoff. R.I.P. <laughs> Norm MacDonald. <laughs>
0: And, you know, we're getting back into stunt casting. See the Sweeney Todd announcement. Uh, dear. I thought you just went
1: into retirement. Oh.
0: (laughs) Dear Broadway, Sweeney, as you can attest, Todd, since you saw it, is a baritone bass role. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aaron Tivette, who is replacing Josh Groban, is a motherfucking tenor. The audacity. Through and through.
1: I don't know who that is. Let baritones be
0: baritones. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's bullshit that we we keep doing this. It's like the one baritone role out there, and they're like, "Give it to a tenor. We'll raise everything up." Is it okay.
1: Josh Groban a tenor? Doesn't he? No,
0: easy? Josh Groban's a baritone. So Alex takes Scott, which they switch their ages because uh, Scott's the older brother in the comics.
1: Oh, is he? What? Yeah, Alex
0: Scott because Al- okay. Alex doesn't become a doesn't lead a team until X Factor, and is always like, "My brothers had all this experience before me."
1: We also yeah, spend- but, but he's okay all right yeah
0: Scott's the older brother okay um hoping that xavier and hank mccoy obviously nicholas holt is like fuck you you're not putting all that blue shit on me the entire movie um <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we'll
1: uh, the teach same, him the same that jay uh, the same that jay law said
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah both of them like there's even a moment in the movie where they're just like brazen you're not blue looks like you and i have that in common now and i wanted them to both look at the camera and be like You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. They want to teach him how to use his mutation for shooting optic beams. Optic beams.
1: I know. Not fire. The laser annoys the shit out of me. It's not heat. It's concussive.
0: But here's the thing. It is whatever it needs to be for the scene. Because when he first gets it, which would be the height of its power, right, if he has no way of controlling it, and he knocks that kid down, doesn't slice that kid in half because if it sure. was a laser it would but yep. then it catches the ceiling on fire i'm like nope just yeah and and i'm like you directed one of the best optic blast scenes in any of these movies brian in x-men one when toad steals his visor he sure. knocks out grand central station's roof that was awesome yeah yep. it was so Agreed. well done agree and in this movie we're like well this time it's gonna try to catch the tree on fire I'm like it I- no, it's like a it. No,
1: yeah, it, th- that annoys this me. This is so where much.
0: Casey's frustration starts <laughs> to come yeah,
1: out. Yeah, and listen, th- just get the the key things right. So, so in the comics, his so Alex Havoc can control his powers. Originally, Scott is able to as well, but in the accident where their parents die, he gets his some damage to his his yeah he brain damage yeah right and it. And it destroys his ability. To, so, okay, like I get it. Like everything doesn't. I'm okay with adaptations, but the like pick one. And frankly, the concussive blasts are mo- are cooler than the lasers, anyways. I, d- I don't know why you would. I don't know why you would go that route. And then certainly to flip back and forth is just bullshit. Agree. And
0: and, I mean, Brian Singer loves his um, medical room scenes. Why is there not like a scan of Scott's brain to be like, oh, there's this. That must be why you can't control it. You should be able to, like your brother can. Sure. And then they're like, well, that's the accident where our parents died. It's literally yeah, what, yeah, a Hank, 10 second
1: Hank should have done a CT scan, right? Like they, they, yeah. they must have they must. there's gotta be a CT scanner at the school. Like Hank should have done that and should have been like, Ah, see this part of the brain here, see this gray spot. That's the damage from your accident. Y- yeah, but
0: Yeah, drives me up the wall. Okay, so Scott meets the telepathic and telekinetic, Jean Grey and the two develop attraction. Well, at first, (laughs) not so much. I just
2: heard you in my head. I'm telepathic. I read minds. Well, stay out of mine. I don't need some weird girl creeping around in there. Don't worry, Scott. There's not much to see. Hey, wait. I I didn't tell you my name. No, you didn't.
0: Not until he can see... That she is a hottie. Then all of a sudden he's like, oh, maybe I won't be a dick anymore. Like He's all about like, fuck you. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, wait, fuck you.
1: Yeah. It's a detail that's not in the synopsis. I I will say there's a scene later where Scott and Kurt and the student, you know, a couple of students, they go to the mall, right? They're taking Kurt to the mall. (laughs) There's yeah. a funny little bit where they're they've clearly just seen Return of the Jedi.
2: I'm just saying, Empire
0: is still the best. It's the most complex, the most sophisticated. Wasn't afraid to have a dark ending.
2: Yeah, but come on, if it wasn't for the first one, you wouldn't have any of the rest of the movies. Well, at least we can all agree the third one's always the worst. I was like,
1: oh, I love that they acknowledge the the shit hole that Last Stand was. I I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's
0: definitely Brian Singer's fuck you, but it's so weird that. That he made this movie, A, uh, and B, that, um, I'll say it now. I was going to save it for the sure. end. There's a lot of first class shots in this movie. I'm like, Brian, it's a little weird you're taking from the guy who took the franchise over from you.
1: Yeah, but Singer never, he, so he never lost, you know, a hand on it, right? Like Sure he, he
0: did. He, no, no, he did. That was because he did Superman Returns. But he was going to st- do
1: but- But he stayed on as the producer, right? Like, you know, he wasn't totally divorced. I don't think he was totally divorced from it. Um, And I think, I think that's acknowledging that Last Stand is not a good movie. First Class was a phenomenal movie. I think that's a nod to like, hey, thank you. You you kind of righted the ship a little bit. I I see that the other way personally.
0: Yeah. See, this is a weird thing. You, I loved First Class more than like X Men. And then first class are like one in one A for me.
1: Uh, agree, agree. Oh no, no, I love first class too. I, I didn't see it in the theaters. I saw it before I didn't we either yeah. before we did it on the podcast. I, I'd seen it, but when I saw it, I was like, well, that's really. That's really, that's a really good movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it absolutely kind of reinvigorated the franchise. Yeah. Once
0: again, this was like we were talking about a couple episodes ago where um, I didn't see it because Last Stand was so bad. Sure. And then uh, X Men Origins Wolverine was so bad that when they announced First Class, I'm like, who the fuck cares? Well, I'm done with this franchise. And then it came out on video and I was like, all right, I'll watch it now. I was like, God damn it. This was really good. I should have seen this in the theater.
1: Well, you know, I was so angry about Days of Future Past, when Apocalypse mm. came out, I said, fuck it, I'm not watching it, I'm not doing it, and <laughs> I could, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it tonight. All right. All right, so N. Sabanur is awakened by a group of worshippers. He, he befriends- Oh, I'm yeah.
0: sorry, wait. No. Yeah, that's
1: right. That's right. Uh, he befriends orphan Aurora Monroe and learns about humanity.
0: Did you recognize Aurora Monroe, the actor?
1: I did not. Should I?
0: Did you see Tick, Tick, Boom? I did not. Oh, Todd, you should see Tick, Tick, Boom, because Andrew Garfield is a fun—
1: Yeah, based on musical, right? Yeah, it's
0: semi-autobiographical that then became much more autobiographical once Lin-Manuel Miranda was directing the movie. But the reason to see it is Andrew Garfield. He's fucking phenomenal in it, but she plays his girlfriend in it.
1: Oh, all right. Um, And she's very
0: good in that, too.
1: Alexandra Shipp is the performer. Yeah, Yeah, she's.
0: You know, I love that she suddenly you know has her African accent again. I'm like, like at the end, she's like, I think I'll stick around, and I'm like, but I heard that lose this accent as the movie go as this franchise goes back.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you know, I thought that wasn't a bad again to this idea of I'm okay if it's not a direct note for note um, translation from the comics. I'm I'm okay with the concept of adaptation. I liked the fact that they were pulling, one, this concept of Storm uh, becoming the servant of a god, I thought was a cool little nod. You know, in the comics, her origin's really interesting. She is both, at different points in her own history, she is worshipped as a goddess because of her ability to control weather, bring the rain, right? Mm, yeah. Um, but but also, um, you know, she's part of lit- her history, She's a literal she's a royalty. Yeah, well, uh, when she marries... Um, T'Challa, T'challa yeah. she becomes a queen, yeah um, But she's also at one point in her history A street thief, and I thought it was a really nice I thought they captured the essence Of Storm really, really well I, I gotta oh. be honest with you, I think I like this Storm More than Halle Berry's Which oh, is not 100%. Halle Berry's fault It's no, it the is. script's fault
0: No, no, it <laughs> no, is no, She's much to. more interesting in this movie The only problem is um, Storm shouldn't have a mohawk yet
1: She should not have a mohawk, that's totally fair it's
0: totally they just scary. gave her a mohawk and like it's so weird. There are certain parts of this where they're so true to the comic. And other parts are like, well, we're going to take this from another time in the comic cuz we think it's cool looking.
1: Well, look, the whole the whole fight at the end is clearly the Shadow King, which, you know, we didn't get in New Mutants. And I'll be honest with you, the the fight here, that's what like that I thought that was a they could have gone even further, but I thought that was a really yeah. great representation of like you know, Charles versus the Shadow King in the Astral Plane. I loved that. So I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Well, if it's the
0: Shadow King, but I think they also did that because either the studio or Brian Singer or the writers wanted to puss out on the fact that Apocalypse can change his size. That is one of his oh, sure. powers. Yeah, yeah. He has he can grow to control be a giant. over his
1: body. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And they're just like, well, we'll put it in his mind, so and it'll be a Freddy Krueger adjacent. Because well, I forgot that when they first get in there, and he's like, "Welcome to my world." I want to be like, "Bitch, yeah, that's right. like this is fucking
1: Freddy Krueger
0: going on here? What the? F-
1: yeah, but it- well, let's so let's deconstruct that for a second, though. It would, that would have been a bad choice to have him change his size physically in the real world because. This version of the X-Men, you don't have Colossus. You don't have any powerhouse yeah. that could physically, I'm saying, oh, in oh, this see. movie. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I see what you're
0: saying. That we don't, I thought you were, like, being like, we couldn't go that fantastical. I'm like, there's a dude with wings in this movie. Yeah, no, I think no, no. We, no. <laughs> Just in
1: terms of, like, well, then how are you <laughs> going to threaten him? Whereas in the astral plane, I mean, the only thing that was disappointing to me was I wanted Gene to show up, like, 30 feet tall as well and be yeah. like... Like punch him through, you know the the, the building. Backhand him. <laughs> yeah, right. A little pimp slap, right? Yeah, um, pimp or bitch slap. Either yeah, one. Either one. Um, now, deciding that humanity has lost its way, he uh, he apocalypse plans to remake the world. Monroe becomes his follower after he enhances her power, <sighs> which turns her hair white, which is a nice nod back to, of course, the sure. character. Yep. But
0: Storm has white hair to begin with or does she, does. she get white hair no, from no, 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 she No, she has claustrophobia.
1: A, no, no, she has a she, from the moment we meet her she has white hair.
0: But mm. she her claustrophobia happened prior to her becoming a mutant.
1: Mm. It's not I don't a, remember. Yeah, she she shows up in Giant-Size X-Men number 1, which is she essentially sure a reboot of the team. Yeah. You know, Wolverine Cyclops, comics. Storm, Nightcrawler,
0: Nightcrawler, uh, mm, Warpath, Oh, yeah. Ooh.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Going to Krakoa, which has come back now as the island nation, which is also sentient. I don't know. I'm I'm not reading comics. I'm not reading Marvel comics these days.
0: Every once in a while, I'll read an article about what's going on in the comics. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not wasting my (laughs) money on this shit. Exactly. Um, Like, there's a new Punisher. It's not Frank uh, anymore. But Frank's not dead. He's been banished somewhere. I'm like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah. Th- that's a great point. This draw this movie draws on a, a you know a, a key arc in the comics X-Men Age of Apocalypse. I was not reading Marvel comics at this point, were you?
0: No, and I wouldn't have picked it up anyways because this is the point where Wolverine is missing a hand. You know, the guy with fucking healing wait minute, factor. Wait.
1: a Wait. I- so I just read an article about the Bone Claws the other day and how and it was an article defending the era of the Bone Claws. And pointing out that people unfairly lump bone claws in with feral Wolverine. Oh, who does and, that?
0: Oh, the, this guy, the guy that I'm pointing at right now. You. you yeah. Do that. Well, I do. I do. You did that. I I fixed I fixed that for you.
1: I gotta admit, the article I read, I I had an appreciation for the bone claw era, not feral wolverine, but the bone no, no. claw era that I did not have before.
0: Yeah, after um executioner's song. It's still one of the greatest moments in reading that at that time. You know, it's like his first time in the danger room. And he's just kind of punching and fighting, and all of a sudden, I think a sentinel comes out or something, and he instinctively puts his hands like he's going to pop claws, and bones come out, out. and everyone just stops. And they're like, Logan, did you? He goes, no. Like, (laughs) he didn't know. He didn't even realize.
1: "Mm -hmm." Which makes sense. I think this goes to this almost primal thing. We've talked about this before, right? It's like, when do you first imprint on the stories? For me... The definitive X Men writers have said many times is Chris Claremont, right? Like, it, yeah, it, yeah.
0: For you, yeah. For but, me, it was it was the Jim Lee era. That's when I was reading.
1: Got it. Okay.
0: Like, okay. Very, very soap opera. E. Sure. There's a, a run where we weren't sure if Cyclops was going to fuck Psylocke. I mean, oh. it was, it was a weird time in the comics, but
1: yeah, it's good stuff.
0: And Peter David writing uh, X Factor. Peter David X Factor cannot sing the praises of enough.
1: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I think. uh so I'm looking at the writers here for the Age of X- Apocalypse, which was a 1995 crossover storyline that went kind of across all the different X-Men titles. Because that was also the era where there was like 20 different X-Men books, right? Kind of like yeah. what uh, Spider-Man had for a long time. Web of um,
0: Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man, Sp- Spectacular. but spi-
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I collected Lop- them all. <laughs> Scott Lobdell, Mark Wade, Fabian Asenza, John Francis Moore, Larry Hamill, Warren Ellis, Jeff Loeb. Howard Mackie, Tav- Terry Kavanaugh are the writers associated with that, with this, with this arc, yeah, and, yeah. Um, but that's the thing. I th- My father will grudgingly acknowledge that Daniel Craig is an acceptable James Bond, but the best James Bond ever was Sean Connery, and I think it's very much like that. Like, where do you imprint? That will become your baseline, and everything else is, you know, compared to that theoretical ideal. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm okay with this adaptation, because the original source material doesn't hold a sacred place in my heart, whereas Days of Future Past is one of my big three X-Men stories, and I thought it was a travesty what they did to that. So maybe that explains, you know, I know you weren't reading this era, but you were reading later into the X-Men era than I was. Maybe that's why this movie doesn't land for you, whereas I'm okay with it.
0: I didn't read Age of Apocalypse. I've read Phoenix Saga. Um,
1: but, like, yeah. after the fact, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah.
0: Yeah, I was just collecting DC when Phoenix Saga happened. That was what? 87?
1: Uh, even earlier. Wasn't it, like, 83? I
0: don't know if, it, if it was that early, I was two years old.
1: <laughs> I wasn't
0: correct uh, collecting any comics at that point.
1: Nine, January 1980, yeah. So, Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I wasn't born yet.
1: Yep, yep. So So no, I
0: I would have had to have read it after the fact. After the fact,
1: yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. (coughs) Whereas, so at that point, I'm nine years old, and X Men wasn't my main title, but I, you know, we came to it very quickly. You know, within a couple years after that, and I think I've shared. My brother Chris was the X Men uh, fan in our family, so which interestingly, growing up for me, the X Men. Uh, metaphor was always about racism right. i understand and we've talked about this in later years um it has come to represent the lgbtq community much more i still think it's that idea of the marginalized outside group i think but it's human interestingly rights. Yeah. my brother chris is one of my brothers who is gay and i wonder if i'll have to ask him if that played into his you know resonance with the with the stories i'm curious i'll have to add because chris was closeted in, you know, past college, so... Really? Uh, and I hope this is okay to care. If, if not, I'll if I'll send you no... We'll yeah, do, that. yeah. yeah
0: do, do, well, yeah, just please do. Yeah. Uh, real quick, because we're in a part that might get cut. So did Joey come out before Chris?
1: Oh, yeah, and... and wow. And, and when Joey came out, Joey came out, he was like 15, Joey came out at dinner, and it was... Uh, I'm not exaggerating that. very much when it was like, yeah, Joey, you're gay. Pass the mashed potatoes, please. Like yeah. Joey came out and surprised no one.
0: Mm-hmm. Chris I came wearing out. A, a rainbow shirt and waving I, sparklers. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> with choreography. Uh, Chris came oh. out. I was in the Air Force. So I was 25. Chris would have been 24. Was wow. out of college. And um, that that shocked everyone. So
0: well, I'll say this: uh, if this gets to be kept, Chris, I'm glad you are comfortable with who you are now, man. Yeah, uh,
1: my brother Chris is an exceptional human being. Like yeah, like all my know, brothers. To, but, just yeah.
0: to, to have to to live in that for so long—that's something nobody should ever have to go through.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a note and ask him if and if he
0: doesn't want this in here, totally understandable. But please pass on what I said. I will do. I will do because I did not realize that it was that it was even after Joey. That's wow, wow,
1: wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and actually, he's even shared. You know, there was an era where Chris was deeply unhappy. As as I, as I can't know, but can, you know, speculate or imagine how unhappy I must have been. Um, one of the things he shared with me that was you know this deep f- resentment or anger or bitterness that this idea that he f- he felt. Now, when Chris came out. We all supported him. It was a surprise, but there was never any question that, like, you know, somehow that there there's anything wrong with that. But no. in Chris's mind, he has told me that he, you know, he had some negative feeling towards Joey for a while because sure. he had this perception that it was just accepted with Joey and Chris didn't feel that he would be accepted if he came out. So... <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh wow,
0: that's that's fucking rough. And the,
1: the last thing I'll say, you know, my father drives me crazy sometimes. Um, <laughs> in the in the way that, as a fifty two year old man, I have my father living with me, and he sometimes you know treats me like I'm fifteen. But um, one of the things that you know I really admire about my father, who's you know a man of the you know a different era, right? He's seventy six. Um, if you ask him about his boys, two of which are straight, two of which are gay. If you ask him about his boys, his response is always, "I love my boys," and that's it. There is no qualification. There's no differentiation. Oh. Um, so a man from that era um, to have that, you know, unconditional love for his children, even when two of them might be, for some people from that era, problematic. Yeah, um, whatever. It's never, you know, never even a blip. And uh, so
0: those those people need to
1: go away. Agree. Agree. <laughs> So, in East
0: Berlin, shape-shifting mutant Raven discovers Kurt Wagner, the mutant who can teleport.
1: (laughs) Now, (laughs) what are your thoughts on this version of Nightcrawler compared to, and it's almost like, the first three X-Men movies never happened, right? Like, you know, versus uh, Alan. But uh, what, they
0: do because they'd make the joke where he says, oh, my name is Kurt Wagner. But then the circus, you know, I'm like, so this child, this mm-hmm. child got all these tattoos put all over him. Because you can see he has uh, the face markings like Alan um, yep. Cummings' Nightcrawler did. So I'm just like, no, I don't like it. I like this kid. This kid's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll watch him in this before I'll ever watch the road again.
1: Oh, didn't watch the road because I knew what it was about and didn't need to go through that. Yep. Nope. Nope. I He's think I started He's... reading the book and there's a scene where early on where, you know, it's telling you what's happening where the, the guy realizes that they're being followed or they're they're being mm-hmm. trailed. and And I was like, Oh, I know where that's going, and I don't need to. No, nope, don't need to live in that fantasy space. Nope. Yeah,
0: it's fine. the it's Rick on the side of the road with what? the guys trying to uh, sexually assault um, his son.
1: Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I thought they were only going to eat him. Oh, I didn't realize they were also going to rape him. Oh, I
0: Lord. don't. know it's the same idea of like oh, he he just goes fucking feral on them. Sure, it's, sure, sure. It's Viggo Mortensen in the movie. So oh, should tell you something.
1: Oh, oh, I, oh, Rick from <clears throat> Bla- the Walking Dead. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, got it. Got it. Yep, 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 yep. Got
0: it. Still, one of the most badass moments for, for Rick, we just yeah. rips that guy's fucking jugular out. You are like, so wait, I, what?
1: wait! I, I thought you didn't watch The Walking Dead.
0: Yeah, I want no. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh, I watch right, The right, Walking right. Dead. The Walking
1: Dead. You watch? That's right. I'm so
0: oh, I love The Walking Dead.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because you know, uh,
0: bad bad decisions had consequences on that show. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Usually, somebody's about to die. Yep. yep. Um, so okay, so you like Alan Cummings uh, better. Now what about
0: No, I like I like this kid. I think he's he's fine. But my, my, my gripe is that this movie, like Cyclops' Optic Blast, wavers on whether or not the first three movies happened. Yes. Who the only person in this universe knows the first three movies happened is
1: Logan. Uh, sure, except he doesn't at this point because he doesn't remember. He doesn't anything. at
0: this point, but he remembers both because of his sure, brain. sure, sure.
1: Now I think there's no contest. Even the amazing Ben Foster can't save, you no, know, this, the, poor, this the, poor actor, the, the limp angel in X Men Three. Uh, this angel's more interesting. I mean, that but this
0: means, actor still is just not not doing yeah. it for me.
1: I mean, this is one of the disposable characters. So there's some choices made to kill iconic X Men characters, which I get. You're not building the MCU with, you know, you're going to have 25 or 30 movies, right? Where you're, you're going to have the depth to draw on them. So I guess it's okay. But yeah, the death of Angel, the death of Havoc. I mean, those, f- I mean, even the death of Apocalypse. You're playing some big cards and then just throwing them away after one hand, which I always question.
0: Yeah, it's pretty stupid. Yeah. Um, So Raven requests black marketer Caliban to transport Kurt to America. In Sabant Noor, it recruits Psylocke. So I guess a standard British accent was too hard for Olivia
1: Munn? (laughs) Because Betsy
0: Braddock is a fucking Brit.
1: She is until she's resurrected after, is it the Onslaught storyline, and she becomes Asian? So... She was slightly... She was
0: drawn Asian, in my eyes. No, in, oh, no,
1: she was. She no, was. no. It,
0: during during Jim Lee's run, as look up a Jim Lee Psylocke. Look up a picture of yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah, that's
0: yeah. that's pre Onslaught.
1: Uh, I, it's a. It, it, I am ninety five percent positive. It's a point in the lore when she comes back from Onslaught. Specifically, she was. Like She was resurrected in an Asian body. A 1993 story by Fabian Nassiza N- Nis- would retroactively establish that Braddock's changed appearance was the product of a body swap between Braddock and assassin Quanon.
0: It Wait a minute, what year?
1: Uh, 93.
0: Okay, so this was right at the height of... Yeah, okay. So yes, she was drawn Asian because she was Asian. Got it. Okay, never mind. Okay. Moving on.
1: Okay. You are all my children,
0: and you're lost because you follow blind leaders. These
1: false gods, systems of the weak—they've ruined my world. No more.
0: We get a time period accurate costume for Psylocke. Like, if again, look up Jim Lee Psylocke. Mm-hmm. That's what she looked like. Um, but. We couldn't get the purple and blue Archangel. Yeah, That's all I'm asking for. It's just like White Vision. I just want White Vision. I just want the cool, uh, visually pleasing versions of these characters. I wanted his face to turn blue. I wanted him to be in head to toe. And I wanted it to be those weird electrical purple lines in a blue suit. Is
1: that so much to ask? So, fair criticism. I I will say that ignoring... How it does or doesn't compare to the comics. I do really like, and this, it's going to be weird to say because it's also horrific, but I I feel like it serves the story really well. The transformation that Apocalypse forces on the Angel to turn him into his you know Archangel of Death. I love the effect. I think it's really cool, and for this story, I think it works really well.
0: Yeah, it's one of the cooler. Uh, uh, visually cooler moments in the movie mm-hmm. um, you know it I still ingrained in my brad, brain is the X factor issue where it's our it's angel uh, crucified by his wings
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's an iconic yeah Whoa. even I even I remember that and I wasn't reading that title at the time
0: at Angel I lost track of Angel but there was a time where he got his angel wings back but his skin was still blue. And I was just confused. <laughs>
1: uh, you know, I, mean, I think he's a tough character. Like it's he's inherently kind of goofy, and you mean a guy with giant wings? Yeah, feathered wings. Yeah, I, I mean, mean here's, arguably. Here is the thing.
0: Let me just finish this last sentence, and we yeah. can continue. In seven, you recruit Psylocke and Angel, and enhances both their powers. He enhances Psylocke's powers. Her mm-hmm. psychic blade can be like a, you know, javelin. It's more versatile, now. sure. Yeah. yeah, but he gives Angel metal wings. That's enhancing <laughs> his powers. How?
1: Uh well he does they do become weapons we see angel throw the the blades right like so sure. I mean in my mind <laughs> does he it, enhance them or
0: actually make them useful
1: well y- y- yes and yes um, <laughs> in my mind he probably also made him like physically stronger in, in my head cannon because you know otherwise it's like okay well you got these razor blades you can throw but you're still you still got hollow bones like a bird.
0: And I wish they'd fold it in, because that was one of the visually one of the coolest things about Archangel. He could just fold him into like a backpack
1: Yeah, yeah on his yeah. back.
0: I was like, ah Angel always Archangel always was just like visually cool. Yes. But yeah, he's he's Boba Fett. He's visually cool, doesn't do shit.
1: Are you calling Archangel a punk ass bitch?
0: No, no, nope. I've called him <laughs> visually cool looking, doesn't do shit.
1: <laughs>
0: no, only Boba Fett's a punk ass bitch.
1: <laughs> okay, fair. Good day. I don't know. Hmm. Where's Nana? Not back with her friends. In communist Poland, yeah. Eric Lencher lives happily with his wife and daughter. During the worldwide disturbances caused by Enzobanur, Eric uses his powers to save a co-worker during an earthquake, prompting the militia to capture him.
0: Dear Eric, once you have stopped the giant molten vat from falling on the guy, put your fucking hand down. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're if not just Charles. Gone, you don't ha- you don't have to do the you know fingers but to the temple. He needed yeah. to do it
0: to do it, but just move and put your hand down. Mm-hmm. He's holding his hand there, and then he's looking around like, put
1: your fucking hand down.
0: Yeah, put your hand down. Fair, totally fair. Ugh.
1: Now the militia holds his captured his daughter hostage in the forest in exchange for him to turn himself in. As tensions rise, Eric's daughter mm-hmm. begins to display mutant powers by mentally calling in wild animals from all over the forest, and the militia accidentally kill his wife and daughter in the ensuing confusion. In despair, Eric kills the entire militia.
0: The end of the scene. Yes, when he's holding his wife and daughter after he kills everybody, mm-hmm. and he says, "Is this what you want from me?" Was an ad lib by. Is this what I am, Michael Fassbender? Yeah. Oh, so brilliant! It's very moving when he does. It. I mean, we, we've always sung Vassbender's braces as a character. Sure. Uh, the you shit know, he pull he does in first class is just.
1: I mean, wonderful. Part of my mind picking this beer, I was also happy with the idea that it's an Irish beer, honoring a phenomenal Irish actor in this film. So, who has gotten better at hiding his Irish
0: accent? Yeah, <laughs> it only pops out like one time during this whole film. I was like, whoop.
1: This whole scene is phenomenal. Of course, Fassbender is amazing, as he always is. The moment that I referenced earlier that very much felt like an intentional callback to the first X-Men movie, the moment when he's willing to be taken by the militia, but his daughter is being held back by his mother and kind of reaching out and calling to him, that's him. In the first yeah. movie, reaching out to his mother as they're separating them.
0: We um, see it later in this film. We see, but we see the footage when they oh, go to sure. Auschwitz. But we see the footage from First Class for some reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because Fastbender's in that. Um, but I, it's I not lo-
0: Fastbender in that one. It's, it's Little Magneto. So oh, the right. scene in X Men 1 is reshot for X Men First Class, if you remember. Mm. And then we get the scene oh, with him that. with Kevin Bacon. And right. I'm like, just. This is weird. Like Brian Singer's like, I'll just use his footage instead. I'm like, you shot this too. Use your own footage. Yeah. Who gives a shit know. at this point? This as as uh Deadpool put Continuity. it, Matt Stewart. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, pick one. This timeline is really confusing at this point.
1: I loved the idea that first of all, Eric notices that the militia came without their badges, and the leader says, No metal, which I love. Yep. And so theoretically, he's defenseless his power hasn't amped up like to be able to pull metal from the earth like apocalypse is going to awaken him. But I love that as he's holding his daughter, you know, he kind of sees her necklace, the charm, mm, which of okay. course is metal. And I love that he does a yandu and just sends that thing through the neck of each one of them. The, the depth of his anger and grief and despair, you know, later on at the end, his redemption, I think is phenomenal. I, yeah. He's yep. one of like, the highlights of this of this de- arc of the films.
0: Definitely. I mean, Fastbender gives it as all here. But then by the end of this movie, like, I don't know if you saw in the research, this was supposed to be possibly the end. Like, with them as the X-Men in 83, mm-hmm. that was, and then they're like, well, we don't need to worry about how this all makes sense to X-Men 2000. Sure, sure. Don't think too much about it. You'll go cross-eyed. Um, <laughs> sure. We'll just spin but,
1: the planet backwards.
0: But it's very clear, like McAvoy, Fastbender, Lawrence, the whole they're all just like, can we just be fucking done?
1: I'm afraid of what we're going to see with Dark Phoenix. And I feel like if there's hints of it here, I feel like they're not even going to hide it in that one. And oh, I don't yeah, know that I, I can so, blame them.
0: That's what I, from what I understand, yes. Like, yeah. they're not giving bad performances, but they're definitely just kind of bringing their B game. There's like,
1: yeah. no. who yeah, gives a shit about point? this
0: franchise anymore?
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's
0: fair, and I believe once that once Dark Phoenix was coming out, the rumblings of Fox uh, being selling acquired. to Disney was in the work. So I, again, it was just kind of like this: who cares? Yeah, they're all and, going away.
1: And much like Aquaman, 2. and it ended up getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Yeah, I, yeah, I, you feel that you one feel not bad. as
0: much. No, it, the one that was delayed so much was New Mutants. New Mutants, what? Well, yeah, but I believe it got Darth, delayed six times.
1: I think you're right. But dark Ugh. Phoenix was delayed as well. I remember that as well.
0: I think for reshoots to kind of end the universe
1: got it okay
0: if i if I remember correctly all right, um so and Sabah Noor takes Eric to Auschwitz and oh, he shows him the true extent of his powers. um this is one of those scenes where I'm like, well, no, not why isn't Oscar Isaac more appreciated? he is this shows how good he is, yeah he's yeah. His manipulator voice is just like, when he's ready to manipulate someone, it becomes this voice. Yeah. Like, he's, oh, sh- he's so good.
1: He's phenomenal.
0: Yeah. How, he's just,
1: what had he done prior to this? When did he really explode?
0: Force Awakens. Force Awakens, uh, Sucker Punch, maybe X Machina. I,
1: I ne- never saw Sucker Punch. X Machina was 2014. So, yes. Um... Yeah, I feel it. I, I I remember this was early in in him being acknowledged as this you know amazing talent. Um, twenty fourteen. Just looking, he was in Born Legacy. I don't
0: remember that. Is he the guy in the cabin?
1: Uh, outcome number three. Oh, it must have been one of the failed. Yeah, sucker punch. Oh 2011. wow! Yeah, I mean it's it it's stuff, but nothing really stands out.
0: No, Force Awakens is what made everyone go, "Oh, this guy's really good."
1: To well, the point ex, where he X Machina is twenty fourteen, then Force Awakens is twenty fifteen,
0: but not as many people. You haven't even seen X.
1: No, 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 no. But I remember, I remember that it was being talked about. But and then yeah, X Men Apocalypse twenty sixteen. I don't
0: know if we've ever talked about this. Force Awakens. Poe Dameron was supposed to die. When,
1: oh, I didn't know that. When
0: the um, tie fighter that they steal, yeah, he was supposed to be dead in that scene. That was the end of Poe Dameron, but he was so good that they brought him back, and that's why mm. they just kind of Star Wars their way. Like, how'd you get out of there? Oh, that's a long story. We can't yeah. possibly take <laughs> time to talk about it now. <laughs> that's right. We've got lightsabers mm-hmm. to ignite and s- wink, wink. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: All right, so they destroys the camp. I. <sighs> A problem with this being what happens here. Tell me more. That Auschwitz is completely destroyed. It is, it is, it has not been destroyed for a very specific reason to let the sure. shame and embarrassment and pure evil that happened there be known for time immemorial. Mm-hmm. Right? So for sure. him to have him destroy the whole thing feels a little disrespectful.
1: That's fair. I, I understand where you're coming from.
0: I, th- and it's just me. And, you know, if we have any Jewish faith listeners that want to tell me why I'm wrong about this, I'd be happy to hear your side. Just for me, it always clanged with me from the very first time I watched it. And I'm like, this doesn't feel yeah. right. This doesn't feel like something we should be doing.
1: I understand the point you're making. And, and I wonder, counterpoint, if, and again, this is a fictional universe in which these superhuman beings, you know, exist, including a superhuman being who was a victim of, you know, the evils at the at the work and death camps, right? Um, so it's not even like a generation or generations removed, but literally someone who suffered there, he is if, he's, the, yeah. if he's reacting yeah. to that, like, is it, maybe it's not the... The choice we would make, but is it at least understandable? He had the power to do that, and he was reacting to that. Could you? Could you tell him he couldn't? I, and I don't think there's a right no. answer. There's no right answer here because it's a fictional setup, right? But I, but um, I can understand the perspective, Bo- both sides. Huh.
0: I'm sorry. I was just thinking about something else with it too. I I, I agree. <sighs> I I guess I thankfully have no family that I know of that uh, were even in concentration Mm -hmm. camps. So maybe this is just not my place to say. It just felt disrespectful to the people who lived it to me. I was just looking up because there's the one scene where we see Magneto's uh, concentration camp number. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, is it the same one? Not only is it the same one, it's just the one. In the comics, it is two one four seven eight two, and that is what is on his arm in in wow. here. So, I wonder if that has a significance. I just see it real quick. I wonder if there's a significance to that number. Interesting. Like is is that a survivor's number? Is that yeah, someone who I, lost someone? That's
1: yeah. I think I shared earlier this year, Auburn. I took a trip to New York or to uh, Washington D.C. Um, reunion for the my. Uh, congressional page class. Um, And we went to the uh, Holocaust Museum in in D.C., which I'd never been to. It was open when I was there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as a 16-year-old, I didn't understand, uh, didn't understand the relevance. Uh, That's not the wrong word. I didn't understand the gravity. Uh, That's not even the right word. I just didn't get it. Although, ironically, my father's side of the family, I have Polish ancestry, and I know that I had, like, not like close order relatives, but I know that our family had relatives that were, uh, they must've survived because I've heard the oral history um, from one of my father's cousins who talked to someone who survived. Anyways, anyways, uh, we went, if you have the opportunity and there's some, there's some mobile ones and ones in other cities. um, If anyone listening to this has not ever been to any of those, museums or exhibits and they have an opportunity to uh we were there when we were there earlier this year they had a um a really brilliant um temporary exhibit within the museum that was how do i put this not saying that maga people are nazis but it was <laughs> drawing some parallels to mm-hmm. a resurgence in f- fascist movements in modern times and that was really sobering. And it's a reason to keep things like those camps intact right yeah, is to teach history and teach the the perils of of not learning from that.
0: No, you're absolutely spot on. That's I think that's regardless of whether or not I have anybody who survived or suffered there. It is something that should never ever be torn down. In fact, they should find a way to preserve it as much as they can because it is something we should we should not ever forget that Mankind, not even putting it on Nazi Germany or anything. Mankind let that happen.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, one of his smartest decisions, I think, for humanity was insisting when the camps were discovered. I'm a little bit of a not an expert historian, but I am. In the way that many middle-aged white guys become history buffs, especially World War II. How
0: often do you think about the Roman
1: Empire? Yeah. <laughs> not, not the Ro- ironically, I'm more of a World War II uh, history guy. But, uh, but you know, his decision to document that and send. Mm-hmm. Not only like the media, but other countries' observers, like to ensure that that was visible and seen, so that one hundred percent, so that apologists after the fact could not say, "Well, that didn't really." <laughs> ironically, right? They still do, but it would make it That's harder what, yeah. for for apologists to say, no, "No, no, that didn't happen. That's not what was the case." You know, like all those things. And i I think that was a brilliant idea that that idea of yes, we're gonna we're gonna ensure that everyone sees this, that it's visible. Yeah that's
0: that's what I was going to say is I think the reason they had the maga stuff in there is because there is a large chunk of maga that doesn't think the holocaust the, happened.
1: Sure, sure. And and a larger portion than that percentage of people that seem to be okay with this with with uh, a move towards fascism which I hmm. Scratch my head, but yes. All right,
0: scratch my head and bang it against the wall. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Hey, let's get back to this comic book movie. We got a little dark there. Sorry, folks. <laughs> but but listen, you okay. can't you can't talk about the X Men. Right. This is the, you know, comics is literature. We have a Holocaust survivor
0: in this m- movie. Sure. So we, the Holocaust is going to come up and, and it's and it gets destroyed. And that's what led us on this tangent is just, and, is that okay to do?
1: And this, you know, this has always been part of the lore of this literature, right? Is that X-Men has always been about the marginalized groups that are disenfranchised, victimized, murdered um, by the in-groups. Yeah, the mm-hmm. power. Yep. Okay, so
0: when Xavier contacts Eric Evans N Seven, your uh, do you want to say
1: apocalypse? <laughs>
0: no. Okay. Do you want to keep saying it? Name.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Remotely access Cerebro, uh, the device Xavier uses to locate mutants. Thank you, Wikipedia. Yeah. And forces Xavier to make the global superpowers launch their nuclear arsenal into space and prevent it. The Interference with N7 Noor's plan.
1: Yeah. The um obligatory Stan Lee cameo here, right? One of his least And his wife. Oh, I didn't realize that. Was that his wife?
0: That's his wife. Oh, yep. That's a All right that before she passed. First, yeah. yeah. Yep. Got her got her in one before she oh, passed. That's nice. Yep. Uh very uh judgment day. Very uh sure. Like, first, as this being your first time, you're like, are they going to nuke oh, the planet right now? Oh, 100%. Now?
1: I was like, wait, uh, this feels like a the very specific step happening in the story. Yeah.
0: And just the fact that they kept going up, 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 up. And I was like, oh, he's just yeah. launching this. And then
1: one space. of the one of the American military uh, monitors is, you know, where are they going? Uh, up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. So... He and the four horsemen arrive at the mansion, he being Apocalypse, and kidnap Xavier. Attempting to stop them, Alex causes an explosion that destroys the mansion. Peter Maximoff arrives, and he uses his super speed to evacuate everyone except Alex. Oh, rest in peace. He dies in the
1: explosion. Yeah, so before The Flash did it, it happened in this movie. Which one? Now again, like... (laughs) It's different time, you know. It's years and years apart. You can reference, but it
0: is really weird. I'd forgotten how much this feels like the Flash one. Like I was like, oh fuck, they just lifted it right from this movie.
1: It has the same whimsy feel, right? Like his Uh his choices. He grabs the dart, like the the little stuff. That said, there's a few moments in this movie that just seem like don't make sense. We've talked about like the fact that Alex dies here. Just feels to me like. We don't want the character anymore, so we'll just have Peter miss him. You know him.
0: why he was. You no, know he was closest to the explosion. Yeah, sure. It already hit him by the time. But do you know why? Because he was going
1: off to beat MacGyver. Oh, was he? Oh, in the reboot of MacGyver? Was he MacGyver? God. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, let me steal your uh, pedantic hat for a second. Quicksilver, mm-hmm. unlike the Flash, is nowhere near this fast in Marvel Comics. The, the Flash could absolutely do this. Quicksilver cannot, he is not that fast.
0: Right, he can't tap into the speed force. Yeah, he's, he... That's how Flash is able to save everybody in Flash. He's tapping into the speed force and slowing everything down.
1: Quicksilver does not have that in the comics. He is incredibly fast, but it is a bounded uh, speed.
0: It's not the... But, God, how fun is this? It's a... It's... It's it's super dumb fun. You know
1: what, it's it's as fun as, again, if you ignore the wrapping around it, it's as fun as his his speed scene in days of future past, right? Like it's
0: a hundred percent. That's what they're going for. Now, do you know how long it took to shoot this three minute sequence? 17 weeks, two weeks.
1: Oh my, that's, Oh, that's
0: still a long yeah. fucking time. Well,
1: sure. Cause every, every room he goes into, that's another shot, right? Like it's, it, you know, there's a lot of shots happening in this sequence.
0: I love the, the, the two teens up on the roof, and the one the guy's about to kiss her, and she's like, "Ah, fuck!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, she must be like, "Whoo, that's weird that uh, the building blew up." Yeah, oh my god. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and whose dog is that? Uh, whose dog is that? No. Who owns it? Who has a puppy? Who has a puppy. I don't know. That poor puppy's like, I just wanted pizza.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's not Kitty. She didn't. She had uh, Lockjaw. She didn't have a or not uh, Lockheed. 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 Yeah, yeah.
0: Lockjaw, Lockjaw was the was big doggo. Humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't the in humans? I don't know yeah. who you It <laughs> Doesn't
1: exist. Uh, file I'm, 404. i um, I'm
0: Kevin Feige right now. Team we does never not made exist. a show called the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you
1: know who shows up next? Hey, it's our buddy, Captain Colonel Williams. Striker,
0: striker, 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 striker,
1: striker. <laughs> or Major Striker, right? Oh, colonel. No, Cur- no, no. But uh, Gene says...
2: Major striker. Striker. Okay.
1: I didn't see an, an insignia. He could have been either a lieutenant colonel, which would have been the silver oak leaves, or mm. a, what they call a full bird colonel, Colonel, which is the, the eagle.
0: Well, no one's wearing anything, because this is a 100% black op, so you're not going to necessarily sure. wear your rank and in insignia. Sure. <laughs> Um, so, Stryker's forces capture Hank, Raven, Peter, and Moira. Hey, remember Moira? She hasn't been mentioned at all in this whole yeah. synopsis. That's right. How dare you leave the beauty that is Rose I, Byrne out of this. I think
1: later retcon that Moira becomes a mutant. Retcon that she was a mutant. She wasn't originally in the comics, but later on got retcon to become a mutant. Well, here's
0: the other thing. And I know they kind of fuss with this in the comics, too, but... We were just we just spent a lot of time about um, Holocaust survivor. Eric's got to be fifteen because or thirteen, excuse me, thirteen because mutant genes are brought on Uh, by puberty. Nah,
1: that's not a hard. That's not a that's not an absolute rule. It's a it's a common you know commonly that's when they showed up. But it's not a it's not a. But still, he's
0: he's on the younger side.
1: I would say he's he's even younger than thirteen. You mean like when we see him in the first movie? Yeah. Oh, he's like eight, maybe ten. He's way young.
0: Okay, but we got to go by first class rules, and that kid is not eight or ten. We see him in this movie. He destroys the whole. um, Oh, I. Okay. All right. Um. Maybe I'm. I'm definitely
1: thinking of the first movie where he's he's much younger than that.
0: Even if he's eight. Okay. In
1: 1943, one early 40s. Forty
0: years later. Yeah. Uh, and he looks like that.
1: <laughs> I mean, the only way it makes sense is if somehow one of his unspoken powers is he's a slow ager. But you're right.
0: Does, Second, the, but that's all of the X-Men. Like, sure. all of them like, hey, you you have a uh, Healing Factor, and I'll see you age very slowly. <laughs> uh, you have Optic Blast, and I'll see you age really <laughs> slowly.
1: Those mutant genes are hardy. They're hardy.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jesus. Okay, so yeah, more. they all get kidnapped and take them for interrogation. Scott, Jean, and Kurt follow covertly kind of covertly. Yeah. Uh, and liberate their comrades using Striker's experiment. Weapon X. Um, All right. So you had something about the interrogation? I did.
1: You know, I had an earlier note that later on I was like, okay, at least they explained it. Early on when Kurt is fighting in the pit, and he's clearly not there willingly. I'm like, why the fuck doesn't he just teleport away? They explain it when he's in the helicopter. When they close the door, there's some kind of an electric field, and Kurt can't teleport past it. It's like Berlin all over. So was like, oh, okay, all right. You took you know, an hour and a half to get there, but I get it. You, you, you did it. All right. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, so let's, okay. <laughs> let's talk about the fucking absolute waste of an appearance by Hugh Jackman that this rinky-dink, Weapon X fight is. It's the worst Wolverine fight. It is like that first jump that he does mm-hmm. where it's clearly uh, wire work. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh my God. Uh- and like Hugh obviously didn't get as buff as he usually does. He's still in great shape. He's in better shape than I will ever sure. be. So let's be very clear about that. But because of that, like when he's striking people, it just, all of it just seemed very... Comic like Like No, like, uh- it looked horrible. It just seemed... Bad and very stiff, and like he only had a couple rehearsals and then they shot the scene. It didn't feel right, I, it didn't feel right, didn't feel good.
1: So, I think you're, I think that's fair. It's not the usual Wolverine appearance. I think this is simply a nod of we can't do an X Men movie without, I mean, they did it in first class, but like they, we know when we know when <coughs> Hugh is missing, right? Like, so Hugh's in
0: first class,
2: is he? Excuse me, I'm Eric Lentra. Sounds like Xavier. Go fuck yourself.
1: Oh, right. Even smaller of an appearance. So I hear what you're saying. I viewed that as he's part of the universe. Even though you've got the younger team, you know, we know that he's still the most popular X Men of all time. And it's a nod to we're going to, you know, he's here, but he's not doing much. Yeah. I actually thought it was a really nice translation of the kind of iconic Barry Windsor Smith images of the you know, the control boxes and the, you know, his, we see his whole face. It's not a visored, but, um, I thought it was a pretty good adaptation of that. Yeah. It image. was right
0: out of, 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 weapon X, the weapon sure. X Wolverine, but it just, man, I still remember being in the theater and he walked out of the thing like, Oh yeah, here we go. Because PG 13 has changed sure. since fucking X2 and this is going to be brutal as fuck. And then it was just like, there was more blood. Mm-hmm. But it was f- I, the the raid on the X mansion and X two is a better Wolverine sequence, much better than this.
1: But of course, in that movie is one of the leads. In this, this is essentially a, a big cameo.
0: It's so stupid. It's pointless. The scene should not be in the film. It does nothing but confuse the timeline more. Because yes. Scott, Kurt, and Gene have a good chunk of time with this guy. And then in the not too distant future, that is X Men 1. Sure, when he shows up they're and like, X Men 2. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I remember you. Like,
1: it just. Sure. How would you forget the guy with the metal claws? Exactly. And that crazy. convolutes
0: this fucking timeline so much more. It just. Yeah. I'm glad that this timeline is almost done because they have just. Really screwed uh, the pooch Agree, Agree 100%. It at this point,
1: agree
0: 100%. Yep. Um, so Gene partially uh, restores some of his memories, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the last we've seen of that guy.
1: Eric uses his powers to alter the Earth's magnetic field, causing destruction across the planet.
0: So we're just talking about pointless stuff in the movie. We didn't <laughs> need the Pentagon war room scene where they are explaining what's happening and then all the visuals of the <laughs> destruction, one or the other. We didn't need both. We
1: really want to make sure you understand things are being
0: destroyed. This is a two-and-a-half-hour movie that could be a two-hour movie that would be much more enjoyable. That's fair. That's fair. This movie's too long.
1: <laughs> and Sabah plans to transfer his consciousness into Xavier's body to gain his psychic powers.
0: <sighs> I'm beating a dead
1: horse here at this point. I think you are. But go ahead. Beat away.
0: I know none of the actors really wanted to be in this movie at this point, but the fact that McAvoy doesn't fight at all when he is strapped to that tablet until he's got the shield over him. And he's like, Oh, I guess I should start fighting back now. Like he's watching apocalypse send that uh pyramid piece up to the top of the pyramid. He's just like, Oh, that's pretty neat. Like I would be wriggling. I'd be like, Oh, my enemy is distracted. Now working this, I'm going to start fighting. It was just, uh, movie's
1: garbage. I I mean, there are definitely weak parts. The weakest parts of this movie for me definitely include some plot things that don't seem to make sense other than they wanted something to happen. And so that's what happened. And I I think you're fair. I think that's fair. I'm not, I'm definitely not uh, disputing that. Yeah. Xavier sends a telepathic distress call to Jane and the others who travel to Cairo to battle and Sabanur and his mutants. They rescue Xavier and flee in a plane. When angel and Psylocke attack the plane, Nightcrawler teleports his friends away. Psylocke jumps to safety, but Angel is killed in the plane crash.
0: Oh, and once again, Warren Worthington the Third is wasted in an X Men movie.
1: I mean, yes, another uh, another longtime X Men character that is killed in this movie. Uh, you know, it's a choice. Uh, that aside, I think this Cairo fate sequence, and you, you, uh, I know how you feel because you said it earlier, and I don't know if that was before we started recording. I actually think this fight sequence is phenomenal. I think it's one of the best fight sequences we get in any of the X Men movies. I think it's it's a a much more interesting fight than we get in the first movie. I, it, it's uh, for me, this whole sequence really, really works. It, you know, it's twenty.
0: What was this? Twenty sixteen. I feel like Transformers has really affected how the visual uh, language in this movie is. It just feels like a fucking Transformers movie.
1: So when you say that, I think of quick cuts. But is that what you're talking about? No,
0: just the 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 fact that like we see so like when that bridge is being destroyed in New York City, we see a school bus go up there. I'm like, hang on, those are kids. We don't need that. Like.
1: The, ca- the, the, there's casual casualties that happen here that are not given weight and that's what happens in in
0: the, the i
2: transformers
0: see what you're movies. saying yeah yeah and just uh, the way like i feel like it showed up in one of the transformers movies the way that magneto does the magnetic fields i'm like is that like revenge of the fallen shit it's just you,
1: you know i remember Todd, reading, i don't know
0: how many more ways I, like you said last episode i don't know how many more ways i can say i hated this movie
1: <laughs> um I remember reading you know a similar view so in 2002 the sum of all fears which is an adaptation mm. of a Tom Clancy novel starring you know the novel is it's the Jack Ryan verse right so it's Jack Ryan starring um, Batman right starring Batman Ben Affleck Harrison Ford has talked about his decision not to return as Jack Ryan after he'd been Jack Ryan 3 times um and his view I think exactly hits that same space he said and this happens in the book and tom clancy you know in my opinion a quasi neo neo fascist right wing uh conservative person very entertaining writer i love his books i disagree with you know none of his politics or i agree with none of his politics but there we go. i en- <laughs> i enjoy his right i enjoy his fiction writing um and in the book what happens in the movie happens it, a nuclear device is detonated at a at an nfl game right Handle very, it very logical in the book, how it gets there makes sense, what happens afterwards makes sense, and um, all those things make sense. In the movie, Harrison Ford has talked about his reason to not return for that. He wraps it up like, you just had 50,000 people get murdered in this event. How do you care about anything else that happens to a few people on screen? I think it's the exact same point. He's not wrong to point it out. Um, so I think it's fair. I, I get it. Sorry, and that yeah. was the long roundabout way to get there.
0: <laughs> Sorry, long roundabout way to agree with me. Yeah.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I can't just come right out and agree with you. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. At the end, they're like, "Oh, Magneto's forgiven because he helped him." Like he still killed people this time.
1: Full
2: motive, still murder.
1: I really enjoy the sum of what is Eric's redemption here, in my opinion. In which, yeah, if yeah. they had ended the series with this movie, I think it 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 would have gotten to. It would have gotten to the point at which, you know, like parallel, quasi parallel to the comics, the point where Magneto takes over after Charles's death or disappearance to run the school. Like it's, you know, I feel like it it got to a very similar headspace and I was okay with that. Well,
0: so uh, headspace. Um, When Apocalypse makes Magneto's Helmet. Yes. Does it have the same blocking his psychic I, ability powers, that, or is it just like, hey, you need to wear this helmet because Magneto wears a helmet?
1: It, fair criticism. That's one of those weak plot points. It feels like we want him to have his helmet again. There's no reason. Like it's one thing to recreate it physically, but clearly there was something circuitry or something special about that helmet that blocked Charles's abilities. No explanation of how reconstituting that from dust. Gives it the same. Ability. Yeah, because no uh,
0: Sebastian Shaw made it in the in in canon. Sure, mm. air quotes. Canon in, for this in the movie franchise. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. In, in movie canon. Yes, in this convoluted canon. Cc in convoluted canon. All right. So Eric and Aurora turn on in seven, and with Scott's help, it's where the Brian Singer uses so much footage from the director he stole this franchise from. I'll say it again. <laughs> Like you see the whole scene with uh from first class where he's like, "You have so much potential, but I'm like, we don't need this. this movie is <laughs> too long, please stop um uh they with the help of of Scott, they keep him occupied physically while Xavier fights him telepathically in the astral plane,
1: yeah. Yeah, and again, my notes here were, were referencing to uh, the Shadow King, which in the comics was the first evil mutant that Charles ever fought. And mm-hmm. a lot of the imagery, including like the physical size difference, is kind of right out of um, those stories, which I think were first told in the new mutants pages because he's, I think the Shadow King's like the first enemy they fight. Done to per- perfection here Chef's Kiss. Um, spoiler ahead. Uh, it'll be a fucking abomination what they do in New Mutants. So,
0: Well, you're not wrong there.
1: Nope. It's, it's over, Charles. You're finished. You're mine now. You will never win. And why is that? Because you are alone. And I am
0: not. Xavier begs Jean to unleash the full strength of her abilities. Again, the Phoenix Force does not come from within Gene. It is a cosmic being yep. that bonds with Gene because of her psychic abilities. For fuck's sake, stop screwing this up.
1: Well, I, I think this is one of those places where they've said, we know what it is in the comics, we're just making it different in this.
0: But if when I finished this movie, streaming platform redacted, it showed me that Dark Phoenix is also there, and it says a cosmic force Combine so oh, even that's, continuity oh, yeah. from oh, one that's, from one movie to the next, and that's indefensible. It's just fuck sure. all.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yep.
0: We, and of course, did it again
1: in the comics. Gene doesn't get the Phoenix Force until they leave the planet. There's a you know, there's a whole thing. There's an event that happens external and separate from.
0: It's the Shi'ar Skrull stuff, right?
1: Uh, not the Skrull. It's the Shi'ar. It's the Shiar, um but, Who's
0: the Who's the warring faction with them?
1: Uh. Isn't it the sh- uh, is it the shear is it the badoon? No. Wow.
0: Which one was Scott's dad? Uh
1: the Spelljammer, or uh, uh, spell uh, Star-jammer. Star-jammer. Yeah, spell yeah. a spelljammer, spelljammer, spelljammer. Yeah, spelljammer is the D anD D setting that I'm running a campaign you in. F- fucking nerd. Um, I don't remember, but y- y- right in the comics, the Phoenix Force is clearly separate and distinct from her mutant abilities. Um, but here they blur mm-hmm. the lines. My note was, I assume that what we see, especially as Apocalypse is destroyed, is table setting for what we're going to get in Dark Phoenix. But again, to your point, it's one or the other. Is it the upper end of her powers that she's kept, you know, repressed or locked away, or is it some external force that adds to what she has? It can't be both.
0: Unfortunately, we'll find out eventually when we watch mm-hmm. Dark Phoenix. Did you say unfortunately? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I said unfortunately. Yeah, okay. Um, All right. So I do know from the trailers that they go to space, so at least they get that part right for Dark Innocence. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, she incinerates in Seven, or yes, she 100%, like layer by layer, he disappears. Yeah. Psylocke escapes. Xavier more rekindle uh, rekindled their relationship after he gives her back her memories. He's uh, like,
1: oh, I'm a little stinker. I-, I took your memories.
0: Bad look.
1: I love that moment. I've, so first of all, he's wrong.
0: Beautifully acted by both of them. But yes. he, he literally is just like, I'm sorry I took those away. And she should have been like, I'm going to need some time with that. You fucked with my brain. I'm like,
1: You know, again, they're, I think they're taking an essential part of the character and they're giving it a different origin. But that is, that is a fundamental part of the character in the comics, right? Charles has this moral stance against altering people's free will and i almost feel like maybe this is this is the way of bringing this into the movie franchise not that it's like a key plot point or anything but for me it was like okay here in this universe this explains later on why he won't do that right like why he's so set against it i thought it was i thought it was a really well written and acted scene
0: yeah, it's very well acted for sure, and it's well written, but it's still fucked up. <laughs> Agree. Eric and Gene help reconstruct the school, and just just the fucking goofiest the moment. Hand
1: wavy. Yeah, that's the that's yeah. the worst deus ex, deus ex machina, right? Like
0: one hundred percent. Uh, but Eric turns down Xavier's offer to stay and help teach. Once again, I said earlier, it is literally dialogue lifted from the prison scene sure. in X-Men.
1: Yep, they're evoking those memories. I'm okay with that.
0: And I'm just kind of like, so did the other one not happen? <laughs> okay. Uh, Peter decides not to tell Eric that he is Eric's son.
1: Now, did we learn that in Days of Future Past? Did I miss that point? Or uh, Yeah. Oh, okay. I clearly... When that happened, I was like, oh, I okay. I mean, obviously, I know that in the comics for a time he was. Um, I don't think but now, now we he know is. No, yeah.
0: I don't think he actually was either one of their parents. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> obviously, they're twins. <laughs> sure. If he's not one parent, it can't be the other one. <laughs> That's a dumb statement, Casey. <laughs> Using confiscated sentinels, Hank Raven. Hank and Raven trained the new XM recruits, Scott, Gene, Aurora, Kurt, and Peter. And once again... Fox decides to give us fucking comic-accurate costumes for all the people only to make them obsolete by the next film. <laughs> and that, dear audience,
1: yeah. is moving. But wait. In a post credit scene... Men in black suits visit the Weapon X facility to retrieve an X-ray and a blood sample marked Weapon X on behalf of the Essex Corporation. One minor question: Why the fuck would you vacuum up spent shell casings? Grab a fucking broom in a broom pan, in a dustpan. They're,
0: they're not shell casings; they're the bullets that came out of Logan.
1: Oh, okay. Either way, who gives a shit? Sweep them up
0: because. I don't know. They're they're collecting them for something. Yeah, I don't know. No,
1: no, I'm not it, saying you don't clean it. But
0: here, here's the thing: who gives a fuck? This universe <laughs> is over. Yeah. We're never gonna find That's out. Fair. That's fair. Because you know who was supposed to play Mr. Sinister? Uh, John Hamm. Nope. No, we came up during this podcast.
1: Oh, I feel. And we've talked about it before. Tom Hardy. Nope. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Yes, we definitely talked about it at one point.
0: We sure did. So Todd. Casey. That was a movie.
1: That was a movie that we got some, I enjoyed
0: watching. Uh, good for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we we uh we got some questions. Uh we do. first one who was your favorite character?
1: Ooh, there's a lot happening I like here. You know, I like I like I mean Fastbender as Magneto is great. I Oscar Isaac is doing a phenomenal job. Wow. I mean, it's not Wolverine. He's only in a minute. Uh I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh Magneto.
0: That was your favorite character?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How about you?
0: The guy sweeping up the bullets. Okay, now.
1: all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. no, I'm kidding.
0: I'm kidding. Yeah. No, it's Magneto. No. Yeah. Uh, grounds this movie, uh tries to save this movie, but mm, fails.
1: Hey Casey, what's the best scene in the movie?
0: Um it is either the angel turning into archangel. Mhm. Cuz like much like we talked about with the Pun- Punisher, the music that's happening when his wings become metal wings is fucking spot on. Yeah. That hardcore heavy metal riff that's happening. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good stuff there. Or it is the though it doesn't make any sense. It once again is the Quicksilver scene saving everyone from the score.
1: Oh, that's yeah, you know, for for fun, the quicksilver scene absolutely. Um in terms of action, the Cairo fight, it's the climax of the movie and for me it it really works. I I think it's a it's one of the best comic book, you know, superhero fights we've seen in a long long time. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. What is uh what is one scene you would cut?
1: You know, it is a long movie, oh, um, boy. It doesn't drag as much as a number of movies we've watched that that felt it, but uh, you know, you you pointed out they they tell us something that's happening and they show us what's happening. Uh, I don't know if there's a there's a whole scene I would cut, but you know, if you if you tried to tighten it a little bit, that wouldn't be unwelcome. But I I, I can't point to anything specifically.
0: Aside a general tightening up, I would, <sighs> yeah, it's the oh my god the Earth prep polarities are changing and every bit of mineral in the ground that's magnetized is coming up and then fucking showing it just one or the other
1: yep fair fair and then finally casey who is the actor having the most fun
0: so it's not Isaac we know Isaac. that yeah uh though he, he he definitely gets mvp for me um sure especially knowing that he had a horrible time making this film um, after having the most fun might be Rose Byrne. Yeah. She's not having, she doesn't have to sit in the makeup chair very long. Sure. She gets some really fun scenes of being like, I'm a CIA agent. And then she gets knocked out and then she wakes up she's like, what <laughs> the fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I, I know that, um, Olivia Munn really loved doing this movie. Well, good she, for her.
0: She was terrible. <clears throat> <laughs>
1: That's mean. That's mean. <laughs>
0: it's not. It's not. Not. It's not I untrue. Didn't, I didn't
1: say. I all I said was it was mean. All yeah. I said was it was mean. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe Olivia Munn. I'm thinking. All
0: right. Sure. Whatever. You just like her because she's got big boobs. Shh.
1: Yes and. Yes. Yeah, All right. I don't know if you remember last time we talked, uh the IMDB rating for this movie. Do you recall what it is and what you would rate it?
0: I don't remember what it is.
1: It is a 6.9 out of 10. It's like a 5.5 five for me. Oh. Uh I think 6.9 is low. I I mean I I actually 20. think this is a really good movie. I'd go I'd go a whole point 79. Like it's it's a it's an upper it's an upper edge movie for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Ugh. Well, I got nothing more to say about that. Uh, Todd, you know what
1: time it is?
2: And now it's time to pick the next movie from Thor's Helmet.
1: Well, yes, it is. Yeah. All right. So, getting to the end. I've only got to pull a few more before I get to hand this thing off to you. So,
0: you got uh, three more pulls. Three
1: after more pulls. Yeah. This one plus three. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One plus two plus one plus one. Uh.
1: That's right Okay Oh So a glance There's only a few characters On the sheet
0: Oh Oh Is it Is it Ragnarok?
1: It is Ragnarok Yeah baby Oh Fuck yeah I mean Sure We're gonna watch Here's a trailer For a movie That we fucking love Oh my god
0: So much has happened Since I last saw you I lost my hammer like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I
1: met you. Where are we?
2: You have no idea. Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard.
0: Oh, I've missed this. And you and I had a fight recently.
1: Did I win? No, I won, easily. Doesn't sound right. Well, oh, it's true.
2: Asgard is dead.
0: And it'll be reborn in my image. I thought you'd be clear
1: to see me. I need to stop her here and now to prevent Ragnarok, the end of everything. So I'm putting together a team.
2: Like the old days. Surprise. This is be such fun. Hello. Hi.
1: He's a fighter.
0: Monster. I'm the goddess of death. What were you the god of again? We're the same, you and I. Just a couple of hot-headed fools. Yeah, same. Hulk like fire, Thor mm. like water. Oh. Both like fire. But Hawk like raging fire. So I like smoldering fire. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm so happy. Oh, um, I'm so happy.
0: Well, while we're talking about this, because it's his uh, triumphant return, and you heard it in the trailer, so no spoiler there. Did you watch Loki season two? Uh,
1: up until last week, Aubrey has been in the. Uh, this week is Tech for Her, The Throws so, of
0: Cooperative, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um I I, you, what, I I'm I'm trying to avoid social media. Something's happened because I'm seeing titles that thankfully didn't spoil anything, but it's I'm, I will I'm obviously away. not spoil anything, of but
0: course. I believe we know the plot of Deadpool 3 based on what we get in this.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. All right. That's no, So there's one
0: thing that's been Kind of obvious the whole time with Loki where where his character is headed. Okay. It doesn't officially happen, but he gets pretty close to becoming the new head of the TVA. Like, like,
1: oh, sure. after, like oh the sure. second no episode, I'm like, oh, yeah. so
0: he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. taking over the TVA.
1: Got it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Now, Casey, uh interestingly, Thor Ragnarok is also um the movie that we did our first ever live event at. Prior I don't, to I don't going know what you're to talking see. about no, that was fun it, I mean, uh-huh. listen that was the first time I mean it was it was fun at think Geek here in Syracuse, which I don't even know is still open, but um, is the mall still open <laughs> yeah, right uh do you wanna guess? I mean, I'll say it now it's low.
0: I was gonna say it's probably criminally low. yeah, I'm gonna say that this is probably people retroactively went back and shit on this after love and Thunder uh, and therefore it's in the sevens.
1: 7.9 which is ridiculous.
0: Way too way too low. Way yeah. way too low. This movie is delightful.
1: It's delightful. There's there's nothing to do but love that.
0: So You got you got I your can't. Chris Hemsworths. You got your Tom Hiddlestons. Uh, you got your Carl Urbans. We get Carl sure. Urban again.
1: Uh Kate Blanchett. Uh Yeah. For um, a brief
0: moment Zachary Levi.
1: Oh. Oh, oh R.I.P. Uh, uh uh Angry Girl uh Uh, tessa thompson Thompson. Mm. more idris elba hello Uh, tessa thompson benedict cumberbatch yeah Uh, uh, um taiko in in
0: you know you know i love my screen accurate comic book costumes the only time he wears the yellow fucking gloves
1: that's right that's right that's right yeah (sighs) jeff goldblum oh there's so much to love here i'm (laughs) gonna i'm going to you know sometimes we hate watch movies i'm gonna love love watch this movie there's
0: no way that this isn't gonna just be a love fest next
1: time we're just gonna gush it's gonna be delightful
0: because it's a good movie
1: yeah so casey before we get to that you know our folks are gonna listen to this episode you know if they've got thoughts feedback they want to share their reactions to the stuff we talked about how they how should they make us aware of that
0: Well, you can uh, look in the liner notes. All of our social media platforms are there. If you want to send us a letter electronically, or if you want to, uh, (laughs) I was just thinking of a joke from Ragnarok. You could have sent me an email. (laughs) Do you you have a computer? No. Why would I need that? (laughs) Um, You can email us. Or you can also send in, we have said we will play. Send them. an audi- yeah, audio yeah, a short clips. audio clip. Yeah. Yeah. Um you can do that by sending an email to superpodherocast at gmail.com because
1: only cap writes letters. Tony. Music for the podcast comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompatech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at silvermansound.com.
0: So that'll do it for the Super Pod Hero HeroCast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan.
1: For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic.
0: Be, Be heroic. heroic. Not until he, she can see that he, that, uh, that might try that again. Not <laughs> sure. until he can, sh-
1: oh, maybe a third time.
2: Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons and Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest role-playing game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters, execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a night shift radio production, are doing learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the Fourth Pillar of Play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you. Is my microphone working? It is. Hello, everyone. My name is Pat Benson, and I'm here to tell you about my new show, Crossed Wires. It's for music lovers, but especially those who are into the tech side of things. Join me as I talk about guitars, electronic instruments and equipment, and conduct gear demonstrations, as well as interviews with artists going through their creative process. My first episode, 10 years is a decade, is out now. Join in as I try to unravel a mystery that has swept the gear community. It's known as the Ten Years Pedal, and I demonstrate it on a guitar, bass, synthesizer, and a drum machine. I even get the help of some of my friends in the Strokes, Paramore, and Josh Scott of GHS Pedals to try to get to the bottom of who makes this elusive pedal. To listen and subscribe to the show, head on over to nsradio slash crosswires. That's nsrad.io slash All right, that's it. That's what my show's about.